My body, which I perceive as substance, is in fact an organization of infinitely complex, overlapping, imbricated structures, radiant light their manifestation, the body a tall column of light and blood heat, a temporary agreement among atoms, like a high-rise building with numberless rooms, corridors, corners, elevator shafts, windows. Welcome to Episode 8 of Sandwich Wingman. I'm Rob Hanna, here today with Ryan Morrison. How are you today, Ryan? I'm well. Anytime you can work elevator shafts into our opening uh, quote, that's a good day for me. I agree. I think that should be on the checklist. Um, so that was a, uh, a reading from Against Nature by Joyce Carol Oates, and I'm particularly excited about this. I, I think it's, it's a reading that's, that's new to both of us, but we're both uh, found it to be quite rich with, uh, with nuggets. So yeah. um, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to digging into that later. Yeah, let, I feel like it led me back to some old nuggets, too. So this is going to be fun. I know, I agree. There was some real resonance, even with some of the stuff I think we brought up last week. So this is going to be, um, this is going to be great. So, um, so this week was peanut butter week. Yeah. Which was a um, was something I um, wasn't sure when we left last time um, how this would all play out. But actually, I think it worked out pretty well for us. So, or at least it worked out well for me. So. Um, you know, maybe we should kind of jump right in here. Um, yeah, if it worked so, out well for for you, then it worked out mm-hmm. well for us, as far as I'm I concerned. To- I completely agree. You know, I've, <laughs> I've it, it's been noted. I will say that uh, sometimes my sandwich suggestions are a little bit uh, off the wall and maybe uh, uh, haven't been systematically assembled. I would say this week was a uh, what was a was a sandwich that was uh, inspired. But also uh, was was rooted in reality, so I'm 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 looking forward. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm looking forward to something that actually makes sense. I feel yeah. I feel like rooted in reality is a is a good thing to aim for. Without a doubt, should, should um, we so, add that to the to the entice score and, and call it enticer? <laughs> is it yeah, rooted, was, rooted in reality? Reality, or is it just something you you did with uh, your pantry? You know, like just a bunch of things that you just picked off the shelf. Um, <laughs> so Ryan, this week peanut butter. What did you make? Well, Rob, I'm very excited to share. Oh, yeah. No, I I, <laughs> I had fun with this one. Um, okay. So, uh, man, it was it was tough to find ideas though, right? Um, it really everything, was. Everything yep. was like like bananas, right? I everything totally agree. Sweet. Everything was sweet. I did not want to make a sweet sandwich. That's not. Oh, okay. That's not how I roll. I'm glad that you did something different than me. And in fact, I'm excited to talk about the roll as well. Okay. Um, but what I did was I, I thought back, okay, what has peanuts that is not sweet and that I like? And I thought, Rob, well, mm-hmm. that's pad thai. That's pad Great thai. Great idea. Yeah. So. It is, yeah. So um, this is a uh, peanut butter, a crunchy peanut butter and shrimp sandwich, basically. I'm going to tell you one thing. I was tempted to try to, to for some reason, I remember the, the idea of shrimp passing through my mind. I'm really glad you went with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so this was a, um, so what did you say? Crunchy peanut butter? Yeah. So crunchy peanut butter. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going with my second version on this. And the first version I ate, I used some raw shrimp oh, okay. um, and cooked it. And I cooked it in a skillet with pad thai sauce and bean Great. sprouts, and Great. some egg. Oh, all and, right. Um, 
in the the second iteration that was a little, it was too drippy it tasted good but it was too drippy and it uh, the cooking the bean sprouts did bad things to the bean sprouts so in the in the second iteration um, I used frozen popcorn shrimp small like breaded popcorn shrimp and um, when I heated those up which you can heat up you know even in a microwave I just kind of like dotted some of the pad thai sauce on there, pad thai sauce that I got from my local grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then I added uh, the bean sprouts afterward and just a little bit of, of uh, egg that I had, you know, fried up and left with the, the bean sprouts in a, in a bag. Mm-hmm. I put this on a, have you ever had a bolo, a Portuguese sweet muffin? Um. I don't recall. So so these are, they're flat, and they kind of look like oversized English muffins. They're just, they're just big, flat, and they're, they're kind of sweet. And, um, you know, one of my favorite parts of this process is, like, picking the bread after picking the ingredients. I'm trying to find a bread that, that, that fits the, fits the crime. And, um... I settled on the bolo because it's kind of sweet, and it is kind of thin, which I thought was important. I had an experience recently where I thought the bread was too thick, and that kind of took away from the from the flavors of the sandwich. Right. But, you know, I just spread some crunchy peanut butter on there, and that, um, you know, helped, helped keep it together, and, and you know... Tasted pretty good. I I, um, I end up going with an ease of assembly scale of three, which might be a little generous, but really in the end, all it was was heating up the the shrimp, and then spreading the the peanut butter. That's really the only intensive steps. So yeah, I wonder whether we're being um, we we could be particularly harsh on ourselves in this ease of assembly category. Yeah, because you kind of want to balance it out. Because I, I thought similarly, like you know, I mean, the, the, to me that actually doesn't seem like it's it's nearly as hard as some other stuff we've tried to assemble. So right, you never know. Yeah. So um, so that's um that's where I landed, man. But uh, where did you end up with peanut butter? Um. So I I I thought through some crazy ideas. Um. I um. Uh, had a good conversation uh, with someone who helped me temper them <laughs> and uh, make something that was that, that was more down to earth. I was thinking of adding in crazy things like ham or, um, or, or or maybe fish or something. I was I was pretty off the wall. And admittedly, earlier this week, I tried um, uh, essentially making like a peanut butter chicken, uh, similarly inspired by uh, probably with pad thai type things, right? Um, huh, yeah, and it just it just did not work. I tried to make the uh, sense of peanut butter chicken just it tasted too much of peanut butter and not in the good ways. <laughs> so 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 thankfully I went back to Earth and made a chunky peanut butter, uh, same as you, and fig jam sandwich. Oh, fig jam! Any excuse so for I, fig jam? I agree, and I uh, I made it on ciabatta bread, hmm. and I did it uh, as perhaps. Uh, uh, somewhat traditionally with with uh, banana slices, oh, good. but also with all, but also bacon strips. Oh man! <laughs> um, so like immediately, a, a fig jam yeah. Elvis. Yes, so immediately it was it, it's a sandwich that that kind of you know strikes of being somewhat somewhat traditional, but actually uh, was quite a pleasing thing to to try to assemble and to uh, and to eat. So I gave myself a middle of the road three out of five on this one as well. You know, you know, 
slicing the bread and slicing the banana was pretty easy, you know, and frying bacon isn't that hard. Right. Um, and then, you know, some spreads, right? So spreading is nice. Yeah. Um, and then we dried the bacon. So yeah, relatively easy, three out of five, middle of the road ease. But, um, you know, as I will get to later, it actually was, uh, you know, a good experience and taste. Um, cool. For, maybe I'll just jump in nutrition there and we can both talk about that maybe briefly. I mean, uh, so bacon just isn't nutritious as we said last week. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and really Too peanut bad. butter for that matter. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that healthy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I really ding myself on this one. Uh, I gave myself a two out of five for nutrition. Uh, but what about you? Did you, it sounds like you got, you had some veggies in there, right? So. Yeah, I had some bean sprouts. Um, so that kind of left me, I don't know, middle of the road, I guess. Popcorn shrimp, not that healthy. But the, you know, egg, uh, the pad thai sauce also kind of dinged it a little bit. But I was pretty generous with the bean sprouts, which I like. Um, so, yeah, middle of the road again. Going with a three. But uh, how did it taste? Yeah, so that's the big question, right? Um, right. I'm going eight on this taste. It was very tasty. I really enjoyed it. Um, the, I guess I would just really enjoy popcorn shrimp anyway. I think that's part of the part of what I learned. Um, right. But it worked really well on the bolo. Um, the bean sprouts didn't do a whole lot for the flavor. Uh, the little bit of egg did some favors to that. Um, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. You know, it it. It looked really strange, but it tasted quite a lot better than it looked. So I landed on an eight. Uh, did, were there any flavors that that were particularly? Um, did anything jump out, or did you feel it was more balanced? Um, it it helped a lot to have the practice of the first, um, the first attempt, where right. where I went a lot heavier on that pad thai sauce, and mm-hmm. uh, that caused some integrity problems, but. Um, it also just didn't really taste that great, especially where I put the uh, the pad thai right on the skillet where I was cooking the um, the raw shrimp, which meant right. that the the sauce kind of cooked as well, which you know does some doesn't do any good favors to the flavor. So this this was a, a, a much better strategy. Just just kind of dotted you know the, the popcorn shrimp as it was. Right before it warmed up and uh, worked out okay. Cool. How about you? Um, I'm going to lead with saying I gave mine a nine out of ten. So this this, this was a good taste. Um, we had the crunchy. Uh, it, there was some crunch with the chunky peanut butter and the crispy bacon. The salty peanut butter itself balanced with the uh, fig jam, which was sweet, and the banana was sweet. So there was kind of all these balancing effects. And no, the banana was uh, added kind of a creamy aspect to it as well. Um, the bread was was really fresh. I got this ciabatta bread, like a whole, like a relatively long piece of ciabatta, and I kind of had sliced it. It's really it was hard for me to imagine what I could have possibly added to make this a tastier sandwich. Um, the The peanut butter actually wasn't that strong of a flavor, though. Um, in the in the mix, I mean, everything was was kind of so well balanced. I had actually. Um, remade the sandwich again with some extra like the bacon and leftovers and the banana and added a lot more peanut butter and while I, I was able to get more of a peanut butter flavor I didn't think that was superior I actually felt that the peanut butter balancing out hmm. and all those balancing effects actually were quite um were a lot better um than, than the sandwich with a, with a more weighted for peanut butter so uh so again nine out of ten on that taste so I was I was pleased with that great 
Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe I should jump into integrity and then kick it back to you. Sure. Um, the, um, so as we've been kind of trying, I guess I found this, maybe, maybe you found as well, you know, spreads are a good way of kind of keeping a sandwich together. Um, so obviously the, the kind of, well, the ingredients stay together like the banana slices because they were stuck in the peanut butter. Um, and maybe the fig jam helped keep the bacon kind of all held together. Um, but overall, like this is a five out of five for integrity as every single bite I had through the sandwich, um, the bread stayed together. Um, and, and, the, and again, I, as I said, the spreads kind of held all the ingredients together on the inside. So I felt like uh, overall, this was like, uh, you know, one of the, the best uh, integrity scores I, I can imagine to give. Uh, what about you? Um, I, I had the same experience with the peanut butter where it did right. a, a really good job. Um, I guess, uh, you know, to the extent that, uh, integrity is about how easily you're able to, you know, fit it in your mouth and, and actually eat your way through it too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this sandwich did pretty well. The first version of the sandwich was, which was also on a bolo, but there was more sauce and the bean sprouts have been cooked. Um, mm-hmm. that would have been like a one, um, okay. which is mm-hmm. part of why I put that, you know, I bagged that and wanted to, to redo it. Got um, it. Here, um, you know, there's a little, uh, not really an issue with the sauce so much, but, you know, the bean sprouts sticking out and, um, the, because it, it wasn't all a spread, like it couldn't get the whole thing flat. So like the, the top half of the bolo didn't, um, wasn't like flush with the, the filling all the right. way around. Mm-hmm. So, um, but overall, I mean, it was very easy to eat, so. Uh, I'm going to land at a four on integrity. Oh, great. Uh, I wonder if this might be a good opportunity for me to ask you, particularly about this bolo bread. Um, is this is this something that you use often or have used a lot for your own sandwiches beforehand? I I no, I, I think I had it more as, as a kid. I mean, it's like, um, it's really like an English muffin. You would use it in similar circumstances. Understood. Except for the, the whole nooks and crannies thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it tastes a little bit sweeter. I don't know. I don't, maybe it's, uh, you, know, you never had those and you're, you live on the South shore. So I, would I imagine I, you would have run yeah, into it, but it's surprising. I, I don't really remember having them. Um, but, uh, but I, I can, I can remember having more eclectic, uh, you know, foods of, of different, uh, uh, from different, um, I guess you, you call them kind of ethnic, um, backgrounds when I was an adult. So I just possibly I may have had them earlier in my life. Um, uh, as an adult rather than as a kid. But yeah, but it sounds awesome and exciting because I, I typically have used pretty traditional breads, but that would be one that I hadn't thought of. So that's yeah, cool. But I, I just got it at the at my grocery store, so I think they're they're around. They're available. But cool. Um, so w- was your sandwich interesting? How was it as a conversation piece? I'm going five conversation piece. Awesome. I, I, like, I like the Pad Thai story. I agree. I like explaining why I use the, the crunchy peanut butter right to kind of better simulate the 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 pad thai experience right i like explaining why the bolo i thought was a good good fit for this um i you know and then just kind of the the idea of peanut butter and shrimp is uh that's a good one i think oh yeah i i would agree if i were rating your sandwich this is this is probably among this is among the top for for conversation pieces this is a fascinating thing You've really kind of reimagined a, a dish that both of us have had a lot. 
yes. as a sandwich. We had a lot, yes. Yeah, we, we used to, yeah, have a lot of pad thai <laughs> together. Uh, there was a, there was a stretch. I think I had it every Friday. Yeah, I recall that. Maybe it was back in my teaching days. It, I, I kind of remember. It was because yep. I, I I was working Sunday through Thursday. Right. So I was around to like yeah. just have it ready to roll. Yeah, that was my a story. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know, right? You know, uh, giving a little context to our our background. Yeah, so my, let me go for my conversation. Sure. Piece. Um, so I give this three out of five, middle of the road. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. It, in some sense, it's actually very much just like an Elvis sandwich plus bacon. Um, but you know, it was it was it was interesting to kind of you know be more thoughtful about it. Um, yeah, the the fig jam. So yeah, the fig jam. So yeah, exactly. So like you know, the bacon, the peanut butter. You know that that that's a pretty different combination, I would guess. Uh, it definitely was inspired by a conversation I had with someone this week, so I, I give them credit for that. Uh, otherwise, it was really just an enhanced PB and J, with the J being um, a fig jam. Um, <laughs> PB and I, fig I, J. P, PB and fig J. Um, you know, I do. I, I was, you know, I made a note to myself. I wondered why the bacon actually worked so well with everything, including the peanut butter. I, I actually didn't quite have a good answer for that question, but but I would think that could make for a good conversation. Um, and uh, but otherwise, it, I think it was a middle of the road. Uh, for innovation, so again, three out of five. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think I would have been choosing between three and four for you. Yeah, that, so yeah, that's um, what things. I don't know. I, I, I might have gone four. To be honest with you, can I, can I coax you into going four? Uh, you can, and I can uh, plan to adjust my score, my final score accordingly. I have done so. Yeah, um, I think that's so, the way to go. I think that's the way yeah. to go. Great. Well, that's great. So, so, you, think, uh, so it was a it was a P B B B and fig yeah, lot, J. Yeah, a lot, a lot of B's. Is that just, <laughs> um, um, and yet no honey. Which, yeah, which, yeah. Which which would have fit? Yes. Yeah, so I feel like I am now at. Uh, yeah. Yep. I got that. We're going to give me a full. All right. So I'm going to go ahead with my yes, yeah, so your experience. Yeah. Score here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going four. It was a. Uh, it was enjoyable. The only thing that I, I would have preferred is for the whole thing to have kind of been flush. That's, but the 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 bread was thin enough to really like support and highlight the flavors, um, uh, but not any more than that. Um, I liked that the shrimp was hot. Um, the bean sprouts, I really liked the crunch from the bean sprouts. And... Uh, I don't know. The taste was really homogenous, so I, that's that's another thing I like. So I'm going four. How about you? Yeah, experience. Um, I give this one a five out of five. Really? I uh, I thought there was this was a complete experience, and I felt like it lacked for nothing. Uh, and there was really nothing I could think to add to it, and I felt that it pretty much had all the elements you'd want, maybe except for umami. Um, it had you know it had the salty and the sweet. Uh, well, I didn't have any heat. I guess that's right. There was no spice. But the crunch of the bacon, the chunky peanut butter was great. I love the chunky peanut butter. Um, so yeah, overall yeah, five out of five already, experience. Yeah, you already mm-hmm. talked about the creaminess of the of the exactly banana. right. Exactly that right. Worked in there. Yeah. Exactly. So all that stuff just all mixed really well together. I, th- I think uh, maybe a, I'm, I'm just guessing, but I think maybe a key for you too is the fact that the that the ciabatta was fresh. Yes, I agree. Because those things can get uh, when they get a little aged. To get a little um, unforgiving. Yes, you're right. Well said. This was this was fresh, and I had kept it out. Because sometimes I, in my uh, uh, lack of a better term, anxiety about keeping food fresh, I will sometimes 
you know, put in the freezer, not the freezer, but the fridge, but like, so the bread will get a little harder in the fridge. So I was glad that it kept this one out. Yeah. I think that made a big difference. Yeah. So, uh, and also don't forget if I had brought it, you know, if I had ended up having it at work, it would have been a sandwich that I would have had to keep in the fridge for a bit. So this was, this was fresh and eaten very much uh, right after I assembled it. But yeah, so overall that was great. Uh, Maybe I should give the, well, actually let me ask you. So what's your overall score then? 27, my friend. Oh, wow. You know, if you had not. If you had not given me the extra point, we would have been tied this week. But my, with the extra point for the conversation piece, I go to 28. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. So this, these are among I, I, some of our better sandwiches. A, yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is our highest combined score, I think, this week. I think that's right. Maybe either we're getting better or we picked a good ingredient. Or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Or we're fooling ourselves. That's <laughs> another possibility. It could be, yeah, great inflation. <laughs> I don't think so. Though. I think I think we're we're learning from this process, and that's that's been the point. And exactly, it makes total sense. Yeah, episode There's some eight. things we just yeah. re- reject because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just can't see myself doing um, uh, a pea mash with turkey. Any any again? No, no, no. That was uh, you know we all started as uh, as as uh, a long as, time as, ago. Yeah, long time ago. Naive. Uh, <laughs> Na- na- naive, uh, you know, chefs, and now we are, uh, you know, becoming, uh, um, you know, sandwich amateurs. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, this is great. So, um, great sandwich week. sophomores. Yes, yes, and uh, I'm interested to know what, uh, yeah, uh, you know, w- w- what's next in store. But maybe we should turn to um, uh, the oats. <laughs> yes, where we can prove that we are wise fools. Oh yes, sophomores. Uh, well said. Oh so, wait, yes. I got one other thing that I want. Oh to... please, no, do tell. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, because we're we're both fans of the movie Forrest Gump. For sure, right? Perhaps, actually, perhaps, so perhaps some of its so biggest a bit fans. Of a, yeah, we've got a, a Forrest Gump connection, both of us, because Elvis makes an appearance. Wow. In the movie. Okay, and and of course, uh, shrimp figures prominently in a wow. large section of the movie. That is a that is that is Everything a good comes illusion. Back to Forrest Gump. That was a good illusion. Have um, you ever seen, or better yet, eaten at a Bubba Gump shrimp restaurant? I have, and I believe I have with you. Yeah? Yes. Where was that? That probably was in Chicago at the Navy Yard. Navy Pier. Navy oh, Pier. that makes sense. I, okay. re- I I don't think I would have been there without you, so I'm pretty sure we were there together. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean anything about the restaurant. Just I, I can I picture if we had gone there and were Forrest Gump fanatics, I imagine that we yeah. probably went together. Well, I was reminded of that because I used popcorn shrimp on this, and I think that was the first place I had a, a shrimp po' boy. Yes. Which at, at the time, um, when I was younger, at the time, it was uh, an adventurous move for me, believe it or not, to go with a, a shrimp po' boy, and I enjoyed did, it quite a bit. Did we? That would have been before our road trip, right? So, because you had po' boys yeah, on the road trip too, right? Yeah, no. This this was a quite a bit younger, I think. Yeah. Okay. Wow. But yeah. Uh, I think I mean, we used, we used but to watch I can't that where it was. So, yeah, we used to watch that once a year. I think um, it's a good movie. But yeah. I want to tell you about the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Okay, yes, the the, the restaurant chain. Mm-hmm. Because now there are actually forty restaurants. Wow! And um, even less uh, predictable. Mm-hmm. Eleven of the forty restaurants are international. They are abroad. I did not know that. And and would you like to guess where they are abroad? The countries, or even just are they, generally, are what they part in of con- the world? 
Are they in countries that were featured in the movie? They are not. This is okay. why this is why I f- was wrapping my head around this, or that took uh, a little time. I'm I'm I wouldn't even try to guess here. What, what, what were they? So I think there's one in Mexico. Okay. But otherwise, they're in. Uh, oh, there's one in London as well. Wow. But otherwise, they're in um, like Southeast Asia. Like they're they're like three in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I think there are three in Japan. At the Philippines. It's just I don't know. I found that. Uh, I, I wonder what kind of role that fills in like Malaysia, the Bubba Gump Shrimp Restaurant. Right, because you would think that there'd be plenty of places to get shrimp. Yeah, and like why go to a Forrest Gump themed restaurant for it? Exactly right. Unless <laughs> it's there. For, unless it's there for for. Um, <laughs> For tourists. But, yeah, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. But even so, why wouldn't you just go to the one in Chicago then, <laughs> right, rather than go to the one in, you know, yeah. I don't know. This is uh, maybe some... Yeah, uh, that's day, bringing uh, us off track, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, you never know. Maybe one of our listeners is uh, has uh, has some information about uh, the I've Bubba eaten at a Bubba Gum shrimp in Malaysia. Yeah. If you have, you know, let us know uh, by uh, tweeting at us. That's right, uh, at Sandwich Wingman. Yes, or, or finding us on our Facebook page. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Those so, plugs so, aside, yeah. Yes, yes. So so we turn from from nuts to oats. <laughs> um, yes. So, so jo- Joyce Carol Oats. Um, against nature. You but know, it's, I, still, I don't know. it's still, it's just mm-hmm. like butter. They're both like butter. Yeah. Um, in, in different ways, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, I don't think either of us read any of Joyce Carol Oates in high school. Am I correct about this? I, that's correct, yes. Yeah, it's a shame because I, I think we both can, I, I, I know I can say that I actually enjoyed this piece, uh, very much. So it yeah. was, uh, it, I wish kind of, I, I had read more of her. So, so it, props. It, uh, I mean, it just took us back a couple of weeks too, right? This, um, this form that Virginia Woolf had really mastered of bringing us kind of along with an essay, like using an essay to like bring us along with like a thought train. Exactly. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this this was very much written in the form of, um, this is what I was thinking during this particular day I was walking or or experiencing outside. It's really, you're right. It's, it's fascinating kind of a form that I, I don't remember being very conscious of reading in the past in like high school, for example, or something, but like, but but it's it's a different type of essay form where it's not just about the subject; it's also about the the person who is, is writing it as much. Yeah, like, like what what um, what from the outside world kicked off the the thought process and stuff. So right, yeah. So I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack here. Maybe to to start, uh, I should start kind of with the quote that I read from the beginning, even though it, it's not necessarily uh, sure. one of the central themes of it. But I think that it it's I thought it was just great writing. Um, so this was like. Uh, her statement about my body is in fact an organization of infinitely complex, et cetera, et cetera, structures. Um, and I absolutely love the turn of phrase, a temporary agreement among atoms. Because I feel like that is ex- actually exactly what we are. We, we, we are really, I mean, these, uh, the, these, uh, well, uh, yeah, I, did you hear that? Yeah, perhaps that means that. Uh, you win uh, the prize. Yes. <laughs> the siren, right? 
Um, but yeah, so because really, I mean, they're all about what? What do they call them? Like the, um, the 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 weak electromagnetic forces or something. The bottom line is that like all these atoms are held together just temporarily in agreement um, that, that make us up. So I think that's fascinating. Um, and really, just has to do with. I think she's getting a little into kind of our the, the body's relationship with nature, and really that we're kind of made of. You know, it makes me think of what. Uh, um, you know, the quote, like, you know, we're all made of stars. I think that was a, a song recently too, right? Um, and just how we are of the same things as nature. Um, and even, like, she goes on later to talk about, like, the quote-unquote I, like the id or whatever you might call it, or the ego, mm-hmm. right, is, 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 you know, is diluted as to its sovereignty, uh, let alone its autonomy in the outside world. But, in fact, we're, we're actually really just made up of the same things as the world is made up. And like, are we? Are, is it really like our single being really any different than the outside world? I think that's just an interesting little little piece of, of thought that she uh, expresses there. Um, but otherwise, really, the, the general yeah. poem is is more about um, uh, her experience of nature and other people's writing about nature, and kind of um, sometimes that 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 description can be a little, um, I guess, maybe is overly agreeable. <laughs> Whereas she, in her against nature treatise here really gets into um some of the the negative aspects of nature that we don't necessarily associate with it when we think about nature writing um i don't know i don't know if i've interpreted that the same way you have but but that's kind of my my general sense of the work yeah i I think her um um to the extent that this is a like a descent um where she's she's kind of fighting back or reacting there that that kind of instinct to be like well well wait why or well wait no um, there are two parts of that. One is, why is it that, you know, nature can only be experienced this one way of reverence and awe? Um, and also her very pronounced dissatisfaction with the fact that all these all these folks uh, that have written about nature have taken the same tack. That it, there's just like no variation there's not a lot of creativity. Right. I, I think she does not appreciate that. And I think also um, she doesn't understand why other people are okay with it. It, you know, it, it's, I don't understand. It's, I, I can see, I can see how this started, right? Cause it, it's true. Nature writing really just takes this one perspective. And like, why is that? Why is it? Why does it have to be that way? I don't understand. Right. Um, but I think um, I think maybe she's saying we give nature too much credit. And I wanted to bring you back to um, what I think we had found as a as a nugget um, sometime long long time ago. Uh, right. We mm-hmm. coined it into a phrase, so I'm going to repeat that phrase and yes, please. Maybe you'll remember it. Mm-hmm. There is no miscalculation. In nature. Oh yes, I remember that. As a nugget. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, and I think um, the way we understood it is you know, okay. You know, nature it compensates for itself all the time. Like it's 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 not wrong. And, and I think maybe Joyce Carol Oates would say, okay, yeah, there is no miscalculation in nature because there's no calculation in nature. Oh yeah. Not because it's always right, but because it's not anything yeah and, and in fact i think what she's saying is the writers kind of 
their nature writing isn't much about their writing about themselves. Is that is that an accurate way to describe this? I think. Yeah. Is there is there um, can we turn this into, or can we compare this to kind of a religious thing too? It's like here's here's something. It's big and it's unknowable. Yep. And therefore, the the attributes that we give it are going to be more closely related to our impression of it or our, our, our failure to conceive of it. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's what this approach is, right? I mean, I mean, I think that's exactly why she uses the word reverence or says that other writing is, 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 uh, is about that reverence, right? Which is that like you're the, the awe and the reverence that you have in response to this is, is really what you end up writing about. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it is really interesting. Here's, here's someone, um, kind of uniquely situated to do kind of like a meta-analysis of fiction. Exactly. And and that's um, what you get. This is this is the type of thing that, like, a um, a computer is never going to be able to do. Just making connections between things like this. And, and here's someone who has enough of, like, a fiction encyclopedia to have noticed that people really only deal with nature in, in fiction or even in essay writing in one way. And that's interesting just by itself. Agreed. Um, you know, what comes to mind is that it's hard not to think about that, that nature is such a harsh force in so many ways. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard for me to imagine as she kind of posits that so much of writing is about, you know, the awe and reverence and, and that particular aspect of it, right? I mean, couldn't you think about plenty of fictional works that have something to do with um, the ravages of nature, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to just, just think out loud here based on what you kind of said, but like grapes of wrath, right? Like, I mean, this, this, like so many works of fiction where people are kind of fighting against nature and trying to survive. Yeah. Um, there's, there's only, there's, there's no, um, immovable object. There's only the unstoppable force. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a sided, um, dynamic. Right, but it, it seems like as you no, actually that just to that same point, like nature as the adversary, yeah. That that you know you're you're trying to survive, and and you know many of our way back you know um, species ancestors, right? I mean, you know it was it was literally life or death, right? Like the, the how nature dealt with you, and it's uh, but it's surprising that like the type of nature writing she's talking about, in terms of Thoreau and others, nature is very benevolent and friendly to them, and giving. Um. It's really a whole new, a different perspective, right? Because writers in a whole other context could, should be writing completely differently. Yeah, I I agree. And and she even so there are two references then to to Thoreau, right? Which is like the only difference that he then has is is like, okay, yeah. Also, nature's unfeeling, and it, you know gives you the um, or gave me the impression of. I'm sure she has great respect for Thoreau. I think that's pretty obvious here, but mm-hmm. but almost like like he's a child, like like the his relationship with nature is like a like a child's to an adult, where you know they're all powerful and they they get all this respect from you because you don't you don't know how you couldn't do that, and then at the same time it's like you know banging on the wall like why won't you pay attention to me? Too. Exactly. Yep. That's. Uh... Well, let's let's kind of head back to the be- to the beginning here because I think this is really interesting how it started. 
mm-hmm. where um, she she explains how her thoughts on this subject started. Exactly. Or at least she she kind of frames the story as she was she was a uh, on a run. And right. Got a sudden attack of tachycardia. Um, yes. No, it's, that was a, a nice little little turn there where she had in um, in dashes such attacks are always out of nowhere. That's their charm. <laughs> um, but um, I'm just going to read this because it's uh, um, it, it, this is what I want to talk about. Was struck down in the midst of motion. I'd been jogging a minute before. I was out of time, like a fallen, stunned boxer, privileged, in an abstract manner of speaking, to be an involuntary witness to the random, wayward, nameless motion on all sides of me. And it, I think this, um, I know this is a small point, but it, it, it resonated for me, this, this idea that um, when, you're, when you're moving, when you're in motion, and then you stop, it does kind of feel like out of time, right? I mean, it. it, it let's say um, you were in the middle of a uh, listening to a song that you really, really liked, and you knew it well. And as we talked about before, you know, kind of that kind of allows you to experience more of time before and after because you just know it so well, and uh, that's how we interact with the world. But let's say it had just like stopped. Right in the middle of the song, right? Like, how would you feel? You would feel out of time. I, I think so, because like, there's where you are feeling in time. I don't know. I, you well, no, I, I follow that. I, I generally follow that. I think that I, I think this gets back to uh, our discussions, and I and I give you a lot of credit for these thoughts about um, about the experience of listening to music, right? So I think that I'm actually glad you kind of brought that metaphor in. Right, because like you, you're listening to a song, and when like a, a recording stops abruptly, which is often happens, right? Maybe like a, a skip in your internet connection or something like that, right? And it stops, like it's so jarring. I think partially because you were experiencing time before, and now you're not. Is that what is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah, um, I think it is jarring, and I kind of just wanted to kind of appreciate that on its own. But also, right. like, what happens when you get jarred in that way? Because I, I think um, it's like that story of the 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 guy who lives in the White House, uh, not the White House, the lighthouse, <laughs> a, a lighthouse. Yes. And um, there's a cannon in the lighthouse. Yes. Right, because the, the the signal is also like an auditory signal. Got it. To to oncoming ships, and the cannon goes off like every five minutes or every ten minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy's been he's able to sleep through it because it's been so consistent that, uh, you know, it, that's just how he sleeps. Exactly. But then one, one day he just wakes up all of a sudden because the cannon did not go off. Exactly. So, I mean, if you, if you kind of have this, you're in this song, you're experiencing kind of more time at one time. And then that's kind of ripped away from you. It's not exactly panic, but it, I think we do immediately go into like assessment mode. Like what's going on around me? Where am I? What am I doing? Like if you were if you were concentrating on something, the music was just in the background, you were writing, you'd you'd stop writing. Exactly right. Yeah, you're you're totally right. I mean I, I uh 
I can't even quite, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't quite dig deeper into that. In my, you know, I'm not even sure what, I mean, it, it, you, you've raised a question that I want to think about, that I'm not sure whether I, um, I have an immediate it, it's answer It's kind to. of a small thing. I yeah. just, um, I thought it was worth mentioning. <clears throat> um, but there was one other thing I wanted to talk about, about mm-hmm. this part of the story. Right. Um, it reminded me of, back when I was, I think, like eight years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I had some nightmares, uh, and I've never, re- I've never been afraid the way that I was of this. Where it was hard to describe, just like there's a you know blackness void type thing. Right, right. Um, I felt like I had a little more context for it. Um, do you remember we, we we saw the movie The Cure on a on a retreat during? Mm. Middle school. <clears throat> it sounds very familiar. I can't remember what the what the conceit of it was. So, um, one of these two kids, I think it was the kid who was um, uh, sick with HIV. Okay. Um, and they were and they were kids <clears throat> like like ten or twelve or something. Right. Um, had some kind of you know anxiety or nightmares as if he was like in space, like out alone in space. Right, right, right. And the other kid gives him his shoe. He's like, well, hold on to the shoe. And the next time you feel that way, you'll be able to say to yourself, like, well, if I'm floating around in space, why do I have this shoe? Yeah, right. Yeah. And it was a good conceit, because then when the... If I'm, I may be ruining this, but it's an old movie now. <laughs> um, when that kid then dies, this this other kid puts his shoe in the in the coffin it's very touching oh wow wow but uh, i think this this void type thing is scary and i and i say that it um for context for the only other thing that um gives me like a really irrational fear is have you ever just kind of laid on the grass on your back Mm -hmm. and then turned your head back so that it kind of looked like the whole world was upside down. Yes, I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's for some reason that's like every time that's like terrifying to me. It, it feels it, like it feels like everything's gonna just fall off the earth downward, and it's um, it's hard to shake. I yes, I I I, I can't recall a moment like that, but I can recall similarly would probably be scared. There's something very strange about that experience, right? Yeah, uh, I wonder, wonder why that is. Um, well, it, it, could, it could be just that, like, we naturally make sense of the world. It's maybe it's the same kind of abruptness, right? Where like everything in the world is it, literally it's upside down, which means that, that none of the logic that you've applied to it makes sense. Or if you try to apply the logic of the world to a world where you know, like the the ground is the ceiling, it would you would inevitably think that everything should fall off. So you're just really discombobulated. Yeah, and it's not really like a fear of heights. Exactly right. Because there's nothing to like land on. I think. Well, it's probably the it's probably similar to the experience of like um, realizing that the Earth is just a is just a planet in space, right? So maybe when you look at it that way, you realize you're on the you're literally always on the edge of the world. <laughs> like you know the the dip, you know the you're at the boundary between the the terra firma, literally, and air and space, right? So maybe when you're flipped upside yeah. down, you, you more consciously realize that you are on top of something 
that that's actually just a small part of a vastness, and maybe that would be scary too. I'm just speculating. Yeah. Um, so we don't we don't need to turn this into therapy for me. <laughs> but no, I, I and sometimes I really want to cut it up. But, but let me get at this, which is another point of the story, which I think is similar to this, which is I think the distinction she makes between um, nature. What is it? It's nature in itself versus nature as experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, so when we talk about, she says, the, uh, what we commonly and perhaps always mean when we speak of nature as a noun, a single entity dash something of ours, she says we're talking about nature as experience, which is really what, what writers are talking about, right? The, like, mm-hmm. the experience of walking through it, which is very similar to what she's actually writing here, right? Here I am in nature experiencing it because I've had this uh, was a, essentially very fast heartbeat. I've been running and now time has stopped and I'm very conscious of it. And now I'm actually writing about my experience in it. I'm actually not talking about nature itself. I'm talking about my experience of nature now that I've been abruptly, um, you know, it's been abruptly brought to my attention, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it just, it's, it's, um, it's just, you know, nature that pleases us because it mirrors our souls. You know, it, it, you know I mean, nature, like we're trying to write about how we experience it. And that is the experience of it, and we think of that as nature itself. But nature itself is actually just the the other stuff, like the ants on the ground and everything like that, that we don't necessarily like yeah, associate or, or with. Just with. impossible to conceive, right? Right. Understand. Yeah. And so it's the limits of our understanding that are what we understand. Yeah. Nature has no instructions from mankind except that our poor, beleaguered, humanist democrat. Dem- our poor, beleaguered, humanist, democratic way of life, our fantasies of the individual's high worth, our sense that the weak, no less than the strong, have a right to survive, are absurd. Right. That yeah. probably would have landed better if I had read it the whole way through. Well, it's also it's also a weird sentence construction, right? With the, uh, I, mean, I like it, but it's it's different, right? Where you, we end with the. Uh, I'm not the linguist here, but you have the verb of being and then absurd. It's kind of a flipped over sentence, right? Like a very heavy on the front end. But um, but I, I, I actually love that line too. Nature has no instruction for mankind. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and I think we want to find in nature those things. Like nature is for you, as for most reasons, telling people a perennial source of beauty, comfort, peace, escape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the experience of it, all that stuff. She gets into kind of Thoreau's take on nature, and then she really has that fascinating phrase where she like calls him out on something, right? Yeah. Um, so she's like gives this extensive quote where apparently he ends Walden with like a some description of of, um, of death, right? Yes. Which I don't remember from my days reading and, it. And not in Thoreau's grim mode. Nature is hard to be overcome, but she must be overcome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. And then, it's, and then, and then, but then she literally says, uh, come off it, Henry David. <laughs> uh, you've grieved these many years for your elder brother, John, who died a ghastly death of lockjaw. You've never wholly recovered from the experience of watching him die. And you know, or must know that you've, that you're fated too to die young of consumption. Um, it's just really fascinating that she kind of has that. That's almost out of body experience there, just like reading that, just like having her really like um, pull the author out of his text. 
Yeah. That's probably the way to say it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I read something different than I think you had referred to a moment ah, ago. Ah, yes, you are right. You read something a little earlier. Yeah, what you referring to? The impression made on a wise man is that of universal innocence. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, there's there's a you know, and the other thing that we've talked about here about the 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 body and the eye like i started with as well it reminds us of nabokov right we're like what is that from penin something like uh the the cranium is the space traveler's helmet or something yes. the, the um, cranium is a space traveler's helmet stay inside or perish oh exactly right right and i think she kind of gets at that notion here too right we're like many 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 of us who have who have contemplated or even if like studied um in science right just like literally studied biology or something start to like get the sense of like where does the I, the id or whatever, or the ego begin, and where does like the body end, or like how do we think of ourselves as, as whole beings, or are we just part of a larger universe? Um, that where the boundaries actually quite porous, right? Like, I mean, our skin is just you know is it's just a boundary of, of where our body ends, but like really we're all just like atoms on either side of it. I don't know. I think she tries to explore that too, and it kind of gets back to the reading we had last week about, or the one I've talked about with the. The genius, we you know, we assume that when they write about kind of heightened experiences, that they they themselves they themselves are like insane, or like or experiencing things in different ways. But in fact, they're just writing about this heightened experience in which um, you have when you're in nature, I guess. Yeah. In many ways, so. So I mean, I guess you could say that she's offering, um, she offers some, just a very broad and. Um, universal uh, that that other people handle nature in all the same way right she offers some critique the problems with that but it's not like she's even suggesting a different way to grapple with nature in correct in uh, in prose or or is she um, yeah I wasn't sure where I landed on that I mean, you know, I started thinking it was going to be a very, um, essentially an anti-nature work, as its title suggested, right? But it ended up ending it almost like she still maybe didn't necessarily resolve one of those fundamental questions she was asking, which is like, is this the only way to write about it? Or like, or, or is, this the, is this the way that most writers are compelled to write about it? Because that is actually what nature compels us to write. Yeah, um, so is it, is it that... Um... You know, we don't. Maybe we don't need to color in our our reverence for nature, right? When we when we record our interactions with it, right? That it just kind of is, right? I think that's right. The, the ants killing killing the ants at the end here. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. It's it's funny how it ends, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how long can I keep up this this activity, she says, of, like, killing ants on this white table that she has? One by one. Yeah. What, one by one? And she says, after a while, I realize I can do it a long time. Uh, and, then she's, and then she says she was doing it while writing a poem. So she says, in that I've written my poem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I'm glad we did this reading this week. Um, uh, it, was, it was an experience of a new author for me. Um, and I love that she brought in a lot of works that that I'm quite familiar with. She quotes from, um, you know, Walden, and you and you were, uh, you know, we're thinking and William Butler Yeats sailing to Byzantium. 
She's clearly a nugget collector. Exactly right. So it makes me want to dig into her work more. Yeah, um, same, same here. So this is great. Um, so so we, as I said in this episode, we went from uh, peanuts to oats. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. But we have no reverence for that. I, we, we have no, no, no. But I mean, you know, this is a this is a food and literature podcast. A uh, a society and something society and nature. Society and culture podcast. That's, that's right. I think uh, I, I think we were forced to. So we're now on iTunes. Yes, that's right. Where you can subscribe on iTunes. Yeah. Um, in iTunes, I think we were forced to come with a subcategory as well. So okay. It's, it's like society and culture, like personal narrative or something. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I guess so. And yet, if I was looking around for a new podcast to listen to, I don't think that's where I would look. Well, that's why. Well, then we'll have to rely on the word of mouth still. Um, but you know, here's Everything the opening is about mouth. Yeah, well, she brings that nature is mouth too. Right, we, maybe for nature another is time. mouth. Yeah, that's that's nature a lot. is mouths or maybe a single mouth. <laughs> um, nature is more than a mouth. It's a dazzling variety of mouths. And yeah, it pleases the senses in any case, as the physicist chill universe of numbers certainly does not. And and you know, that's why we're into sandwiches. Yeah, I know. So perhaps this is a great segue to figuring out what we should be uh, making for our mouths next week. How is it that I I, um, I, always, I always forget to, to, to make this arrangement um, in advance? So well, I, yep. So what, what, why don't we do free association here uh, yes. quickly? So, so what do you think? Let's not do mouths. Yes. I don't know how to get those. Um, uh, let's or, not do ants. Or no tongues. Yep. Yeah. We've already um, done shrimp. We have. Well, I, I, not really. We can still have a shrimp week, but probably not next week. That's right. Um, Thank you. Yes. So, uh, no shoes. Oh, no. We can't have void sandwiches. Nature uh, sandwiches. <laughs> nature sandwiches. Uh, how about something... Um, uh, I don't know. This is terrible this is, radio. I know, but it's okay. But what's just uh, so? What, what's what, what? What? What would you like to eat this week? Uh, I, I never have any idea. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, so let's think of something. Um, uh, we. All right. I'm going to read you a few. Yes. All right. We I'm should... back into our sheet. Yes, please. Um. Oh, oh, for a muse of fire. Mozzarella. Um, okay. Chocolate. Let, let's go for chocolate. <laughs> I'm serious. I think that would be a lot of fun, and that would be different, right? All right. Yeah, well, this is our, even, even if it's hard, this is our punishment for not having <laughs> made this arrangement in advance. Yes, yeah, so, so uh, episode, this is episode eight, peanut butter. Next week, uh, episode nine will be chocolate. Uh, this has been a, uh, a, a great show. I've been very happy to talk about oats. <laughs> I'm here with Ryan Morrison. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. And uh, till next week.